to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance, and my guest today is Jay Bear. He is the founder of Convince and Convert, and he's also the author of a new book called Hug Your Haters, How to Embrace Complaints and Keep Your Customers. So, Jay, thanks for joining me. My friend, fantastic to be back on the show. Thank you for your time. Hey, so do we have more haters today than we used to? Is this a new problem? I don't know that we necessarily have more haters. If you look at the number of people who complain, we definitely have more hate, right? There are more complaints than ever, simply because with the uh, changes in mobile and social, it's just much easier to complain. Right. It's way easier to complain with one hand on a phone, a smartphone and an app than it is to craft an email or wait on hold, et cetera. So uh, the, the friction to complaint has been wiped away. And so as a result, people complain more often and in public uh, for things that or nearly they, they wouldn't have complained about. Do you, do you think also, yeah, I always tell people it's it's not that we have more complaints, it's just easier to hear them. Um, but uh, do, do you think that any of this has to do with this this whole, you mentioned mobile devices, but just really even the whole internet, you know, has just made access to stuff so much faster. I mean, are, as buyers, have our expectations gotten unrealistic? Uh, I don't know about unrealistic, but definitely significantly more aggressive. I mean, one of my favorite statistics from the book, which is not from my research, but from Forrester, says that 80% of companies say that they deliver superior customer service, not adequate, superior. Yeah. Eight, 8% of their customers agree. Right, right. So, yeah, I think expectations are pretty high. And the reason that's true, if you ask a business, are you good at customer service? They say, sure, because they're thinking about it in comparison to their core competitors, <laughs> and they may be better. But if you ask a customer, is this company great at customer service? They say no, because they're thinking about it in the context of the best companies in the world. Are they as good as Zappos and Nordstrom and Ritz-Carlton, Southwest Airlines, etc.? The answer is almost always no, and that's why you have this enormous gap. It's not about are you better at customer service than the guy who sells exactly what you sell. It's are you good enough that your customers stand up and take notice. And most of the time, the answer is absolutely no. And I know that because I did the research. And a third, one third of all customer complaints are ignored. Wow. So so let's go back to that idea of, of just being better than, you know, you, it's it's always so easy to mention the, the companies that everybody's heard of. But really, a lot of times, just being a little bit better, just being a little bit more responsive than other people in your industry can be a significant differentiator on its own, can it? Oh, absolutely, and more so all the time. I mean, customer service is the new marketing because customer service is now mostly a spectator sport. I mean, business has had it really easy for like 500 years yeah. where everybody who complained, it was in private, right? It was either face-to-face -face or a letter or a fax or an email or a call, and now increasingly it's in public. And so the good news is if you follow the advice in this book and you say, look, I'm going to use customer service as a competitive advantage, the fact that customer service now plays out in public is a great thing for you. If you suck at customer service, the fact that it's now in public is the worst thing ever. Yeah. So, so I, I do think that that's a, that's a huge point that I think a lot of people are missing is that, you know, even if you only get, let's say you get five complaints um, and you address those and, and, you know, everybody's happy and you're very responsive, or, you know, maybe you solved a problem or maybe, you know, you decided you couldn't help solve the problem, but it, it was very public and it was very responsive. Um, what do you suppose the impact that has on the people that are just lurking and, and you know, not participating in that? 
but 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 well, seeing it, seeing it go on. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I know what the impact is on the person who who had the problem because we tested right, right, it in right, the right. research for the book. Uh, answering just one customer complaint can increase advocacy by up to twenty five percent, and at scale, that's a significant difference in your business. I, I don't know what the what the specific um, impact is on the spectators in the yeah. spectator sport analogy, but but I do know that that people pay attention to that kind of thing even if it doesn't affect them personally. So for example, there's some really fascinating research, not from me, but it's cited in the book, that says that 80% of Americans trust online ratings and reviews as much as they trust friends and family, even though those reviews are almost always left and written by perfect strangers. Yeah. So so we, we pay attention to what we read about companies online, and when companies choose to ignore customers in public, I think it sends a strong message. Uh, as Dave Kirpin says, uh, an author and, and speaker, uh, I interviewed him for the book. He said, look, a lack of response is a response. Yeah, it's yeah. a response that says we don't care about you very much. And he's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So the, the um, you know, you kind of hang a, a great deal of this book on this uh, statement. Answer every complaint in every channel every time. Is that the bar? That's the bar. Yeah. Uh, now, that bar is not easy to clear. Harder <laughs> for some than others. Yeah. Uh, because some customers or some companies, I should say, have a tremendous amount of customer interaction volume uh, across a multitude of channels, right? It's not just phone and email, and it's not just Facebook and Twitter. Now you're talking about Instagram and WhatsApp and WeChat and Snapchat and a bunch of other places. But the reality is, if you want to be great at this, if you want to use this as one of your differentiators, it requires real resources. And I yeah. think categorically, business spends not enough time, not enough money, not enough emphasis on customer service, and perhaps too much on marketing. And I say that as a marketing consultant. Yeah. Uh, as you know, in the book, I talk about the stat that says that there's $500 billion a year spent on marketing and $9 billion a year spent on customer service. And when you think about what the importance of customer retention is to your profits, that's probably out of alignment at some level. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's research on this, but certainly anecdotally over the years, I've experienced this, that, that you know, sometimes that really, you know, ticked off customer, if that person can be, if, if they had a they had a problem and they were heard and it was resolved and all of a sudden they can actually become one of your greatest cheerleaders. A hundred percent. The research shows that in almost every case, not just anecdotally, in almost every case, a customer who had a problem that was successfully solved becomes more loyal than customers who never had a problem. To which I think, being sort of Machiavellian, how can we create a right, low-level right. problem that we know we can fix? Like, right. oh, we had an outage. Oh, it's fixed. Yay! Yeah. Like, you know, it makes me start thinking about, hmm, there's got to be a way to trigger that psychological effect. Well, I, uh, I actually, think about some of the businesses where just what they do, what they deliver is hard. I don't mean physically hard to do, but like, for example, remodeling. Uh, I've worked with a number of remodeling contractors over the years, and no matter how great the company is, there are parts of that that suck. Um, yes. You know, for the customer, and and so you know that that's an instance I think where somebody can recognize where it's going to be difficult, set the right expectation, you know, over deliver in those places where they know it's going to be hard, and I, I think that's a way to maybe look at this idea of of you know what you just described. 
Yes, there's a a lot of of quotes uh, from a company called Square Cow Movers in the book, and uh, they run a moving business in Austin, Texas, and really understand how how that small business mentality works. One of my favorite quotes from them is that they discovered the hard way that over communication is a myth. Yeah. That that however much you currently communicate with your customers, you should audit that process and say what do we say when, and then double that amount of communication, and you're probably still falling short of the ideal. Right, that that customers are never going to say, please don't keep me that informed. Yeah. Right, that that's not, and, and so much of customer negativity, so many customer complaints, especially for small business and especially in the services business, is is purely comes down to miscommunication or lack of understanding. Businesses assume that customers read. Businesses assume yeah. that customers <laughs> understand, and they simply don't. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, I I have said you know over and over again, the the a sale is not a sale until the customer gets a result. That's kind of the way I you know try to yeah. preach this idea that the experience has to continue. I mean, I mean, and think about how many times you've purchased something. I mean, everything that led you to that point of getting so excited about buying, you know, was great, and then like that's the last time anybody thought about it, <laughs> um, right? And, and the experience drops off immediately. So I I think one of the greatest opportunities is is for most businesses is just some sort of thought about you know orientation processes and onboarding and those types of things i mean I, and i think yeah, a lot get of it started right yeah and i think a lot of people really miss that let's uh let's jump into some of the technical aspects if you will um of the book uh because obviously i think most people would agree yeah this is uh this is something we should be doing a better job of but i think a lot of people would also say you know this is really hard and, I, and i'm uh, I'm guessing. I mean, did you did you find where there's some common uh, reasons why people just ignored this idea? Some of its volume, some of its culture, <laughs> where, where people people think that you know they they really are doing a good job, but but they're but they're not doing as good of a job as they thought. They 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 don't genuinely empower their employees to do whatever it takes to keep a customer. Um, and, and so some of it's purely cultural. Some of it's resources. Uh, some of it, especially for small business, is psychological. So we interviewed some psychiatrists for the book. One of my favorite parts is we interviewed some psychiatrists and said, hey, what happens to your head when you're confronted with negativity? Yeah. And your entire thinking process changes. It's very similar to the fight or flight response. So when you see a negative review of your business on Yelp or whatever your circumstances are, it has the same psychological impact as if you're like being attacked by a knife. And so it's no wonder then that a lot of small businesses uh, either choose to ignore negativity because they can't handle it because it makes them feel like somebody's telling them their baby's ugly. Yeah. Or when they do respond, they do it in a way that's actually making that problem worse. <laughs> so I think one of the best um, – pieces of advice in the book is is to not take it personally, even though it feels personal, it's typically not. Uh, and while you need to respond quickly, that's important to not respond in an instantaneous fashion because you can really throw gas on your own fire. And you, you sometimes see um, um, companies online that are doing a good job of this and some that are doing uh, just a terrible job of this. Um, one that comes to mind, I think does a great job is Buffer. Um, mm -hmm. you, you and I know those folks. In fact, they, they, they actually went out and in recently invested in a new piece of, of software that's going to be part of the Buffer platform specifically for providing customer service on uh, Twitter. So this is, this is uh, obviously something that people are, are starting to equip companies to do as a sort of fundamental aspect of marketing. No question. And it really is an opportunity to say – we are going to use this as a competitive 
uh, differentiator. Yeah. Because if I ask you right now who's good at it, you say Buffer, I agree. Um, there's other companies that, that might surface up. But the fact is, if I ask you who's good at online customer service, you can name somebody. Everybody listening right now can name somebody. And and because of that, that is by definition making my point that it's rare. Yeah. Like you can name them because they're exceptions. Right. And so so my vision, and this may or may not happen, but my vision, my hope is that is that enough people read this book and enough people follow the advice in this book that, that 18 months from now I say, who's good at, at online customer service? You can't name anybody because enough people are good at it yeah. that they no longer stand out. That's what I hope happens. So if you um, were called by a company who read your book and said, hey, we're, we're not good at this. We, need, we know we need to get good at it. We, you know, come, come turn us around. Um, you know, what, would, what would be your advice for how somebody would get started you know, especially when you talk about some of these companies that, you know, part of the challenge is volume. <laughs> um, clearly, there's probably an investment, there's process, there's maybe a whole, you know, level of, of, of you know, uh, of executive management that maybe needs to be brought in. Well, you certainly have to institutionalize this at some level, right? You, you can't or you shouldn't unless you're a very, very small company uh, and nobody really has to, to, to check or, or – uh, or write this down, you have to have some sort of game plan here uh, and say, okay, these are the venues we're going to support. This is how fast we're going to try to respond. These are the things that we will do. These are the things that we won't do. Um, the book can really help you create that kind of process map. That's what we do for larger companies that convince and convert is go in and audit their existing uh, customer service, customer experience program, then help them help them get it better, help them get it more responsive, more human, faster, all the things that I talk about in the book. Would you? One of the things that I see quite often is, is, and this is true of of sales. This is true of marketing. This is true of of service. You know, all the elements is that you, you'll see a company and you'll see a couple people doing it really well inside their company, and a couple people not doing it well at all. And it appears almost as though there's no game plan that they, they've they've hired somebody who is yeah. naturally talented and they do a great job, but the rest, but but nobody else is either trained or nobody has the responses or. Um, is is that sort of consistent? Like, here's exactly how we do it. Is that is that a key element? Well, I think it should be uh, because having an inconsistent customer experience when you're dealing with unhappy customers is kind of a dangerous game to play. But you're right, and it's actually a really smart observation that that people haven't. Uh, asked me about very much is this idea that that you've got stars in customer service the same way you've got stars in sales or stars in marketing and you absolutely do same thing happens when you call like so I fly a lot you fly a lot you know every once in a while you can't do it on the app you've got to call Delta or whatever right. and and sometimes you get somebody who's just phenomenal right yeah. and you're like wow this person is amazing how come everybody isn't uh, amazing uh, or as amazing and and it is sometimes people just have more talent for or, or frankly, they have more empathy. And, and empathy is yeah. the part of this that, that really gets shoved by the wayside, especially for small business. Because small business, more so than large business, I think because they have fewer complaints and so the magnitude of each complaint is greater mm -hmm. to them, mm -hmm. has a real tendency to blame the customer. To say, well, that customer's lying. Or you know what? If that's how they feel, we don't want to do business with them anyway. Right? Yeah. You hear that kind of thing over and over. There's a real lack of empathy. And, and so every once in a while you find somebody who just gets it, right? Who just sort of understands how to deal with people on a human level. 
and so the best possible scenario is to take that person's style yeah. and try to make it the norm. Right. But what really happens day to day is that what usually happens is that person's style gets gets pulled back um, to to a lower level norm <laughs> because most people can't meet that test. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's interesting because that's the exact same. You know, I go into a company and try to help them develop their sales process. I'll find their superstars and say, okay, what do you guys do? <laughs> and yeah. uh, it's like, oh, all right, that's what everybody should be doing. Um, yeah. So what do you do? And I'm sure you've heard this question uh, because you're asking people to do something that isn't natural maybe to, in some cases. Uh, you know, what, the, 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 what's the saying? You know, haters going to hate. I mean, what do you, what do, you do about those people out there that just no no amount of hugging them is going to uh, change anything. So you should answer everybody. I don't right. think customer is always right, but I think every customer deserves to be heard. Not only because unless you address that customer, you you literally have no chance of recovering them or, or increasing their advocacy, but also especially online because of the spectator effect that we talked about earlier. But I think one of my favorite pieces of advice in the book is Jay Bear's rule of reply only twice. And the rule of reply only twice says that you never, ever, 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 John, reply to a customer more than twice online because you're either wasting time and or nothing good will come of it. So if somebody says, uh, I really dislike this, you answer back, I'm terribly sorry, um, what exactly do you have a problem with? They answer back again, uh, you're just the worst, this is terrible, I don't want to talk to you. Then you would usually say something like, wow, it seems like we've really done something to set you off. Maybe it would be great uh, if we could talk about this in a more nuanced or comprehensive way. Uh, could you call me at or email yeah. me at? They come back a third time and say, I don't want to call you. I don't want to email you. You're just the worst. Now, what most people do is they answer a third time and then they, and then they get increasingly confrontational because they want to prove that they're right and the hater is wrong. Yeah. My advice is after that second uh, reply, you just walk away. Yeah. You just walk away. You're done. Asked and answered, right? And and because you're right, you can't. You, you should hug everybody, but you can't successfully hug everybody. <laughs> and and so, online, realize that you've given that person not just one but two chances. You've given them an alternate contact mechanism. Yeah. And most importantly, you've shown all the people who are looking on what right. you're made of. You've shown yeah. your values. You've shown your systems. You've shown that you care. Uh, you're on record at yeah. that point, and yeah. so you can feel free to let it go. You don't have to wrestle every customer to the ground. Uh, to to prove that you're right and they're wrong, or to try and make them happy, because you're you're exactly right. You're not going to make everybody happy, but you sure as hell should try. Yeah, so um, every now and then you'll see um, I, I run across folks that uh, in that kind of reply game, you know, the 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 customer will either say something is completely wrong or completely false about what actually happened. And I mean, you've probably seen those uh, before, mm -hmm. and the company will come back and say, "Well, here's a, here's actually what happened." I mean, is there uh, is there a way to win that game? I don't. I don't think you typically win when you are calling the customer a liar. Right. Even if the customer is a liar, I, I don't think you win yeah. because typically, if if the customer's statement is so outlandish and out of bounds that it's obvious that they're not telling the truth, then usually other people who are looking on will either come to your defense or yeah. will understand that this is clearly not the case. Yeah. However, what I find, and I talk about this in the presentation version of the book, 
is that in many cases, people say that customers are lying, but what it really is is the customer doesn't have all the information, right? The yeah. customer can only see what they can see. Like there may be a perfectly good reason why your business sucked that night, right? You're out of tomatoes, manager called in sick, you know, whatever. Um, but but the customer doesn't know any of that, doesn't care, right? Yeah. They just know that this didn't happen. And so a lot of it is not necessarily the customer is lying. It's just that their expectations are totally off what they should have been. And that's actually on you, not on them. It goes back to that over-communication is a myth circumstance, right? If if the customer expected something to happen that was unrealistic, that's not their fault. It's your fault. Yeah. So um, one of the things, obviously, uh, if you're going to be good at this, uh, you've got to actually be able to hear these complaints because, yeah. you know, clearly people pick up the phone, they send letters, but there are also a whole lot of places that they can, uh, you know, start their own YouTube channel dedicated to your, yeah, you know, all the time. your, your uh, inability to serve them. So, you know, how do you successfully feel like you're getting all the mentions? I mean, is it, is it a tool set? Is it a mindset? What is it? Well, I think certainly with any degree of scale, uh, some sort of tool set is necessary. Uh, you know whether it's whether it's Google Alerts or social media listening software, and there are a million, a million flavors of those, uh, or just understanding through Google searches where your business is being talked about in, in discussion boards and forums, and monitoring those forums on a regular basis, um, paying attention to the emails you get and and saving them, and then building word clouds out of them. Um, you know, ideally, you'd be recording your phone calls and transcribing those as well. Uh, it's just listening harder. So, so some of it is software, of course, but I think more of it is is cultural and saying, look, complaints are incredibly important. When people complain, that's the most important customer you have, but we treat them as the least important customer because when praise is overrated, when somebody says, oh, you're great at this, thanks so much, I mean, it feels terrific, but it doesn't actually teach you anything, right? You know, negative feedback and complaints are the things that are instructional. That's the Petri dish for improvement. And so uh, one of my favorite examples in the book is from La Pan Quotidien, which is a chain of bakeries and cafes. Uh, when, when their new director of customer experience started, she said, my goal, and this applies to all businesses, large or small, she said, my goal is to triple the number of complaints that we get, right? To triple the number of complaints because she knows that every complaint is a signal, is a lesson, is an opportunity to do something about it. People who, if you don't complain, you don't know. If you don't know, you can't fix it. So you've got to listen harder. And what she did is she nudges customers to complain. So at every touch point, at every inflection point with the customer, their team is always asking for feedback. Hey, if, you, if you'd like to let us know, if anything is less than 100% perfect, do this. I mean, you know, most companies, if they do anything at all, they send out some link to a survey at some point, right? Yeah. That's it. They're like, well, we're all done. We've accomplished it. We've asked for feedback. So what, what LPQ did is they audited the entire customer touchpoint process and said, how can we at every one of those touchpoints proactively nudge customers to provide feedback? Because every bit of feedback is a gift. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's absolutely tremendous advice. And you're, you're right. I mean, I think it, 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 it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds uncomfortable. But, but you're, you know, what you're really doing, and, and I don't know anything about that business, but what they're really doing is, in, in many ways, is, is building a community uh, around you know, helping them get better. And I think the, the more people are engaged and invited to do that, the, I, I think the more loyal they'll remain as well. 
No question. They actually take people who, who uh, leave negative reviews, who leave like one or two star Yelp or TripAdvisor reviews, uh, and they ask them to become secret shoppers and to fill out detailed surveys, and they give them free gift cards as a result. And they've got a community of 200 secret shoppers who are giving them incredibly detailed advice, and the whole program costs them nothing but gift cards. Yeah, that's awesome. Jay, always great to catch up with you. Speaking with Jay Bear author of Hug Your Haters, How to Embrace Complaints and Keep Your Customers. I know people can find info at Convince and Convert, but uh, do you have anywhere else you want to send them to learn more about the book? Yeah, go to HugYourHaters.com if you would. Uh, it talks all about the book and what's in the book. Also, all kinds of special offers. If you buy the book, you can send me your receipt and I'll hook you up with all kinds of awesome, cool bonus stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Just go to HugYourHaters.com for details. Jay, thanks so much. Hopefully, we'll uh, see you soon out there. I know we're going to see you in San Diego probably uh, next month. I can't wait. It's going to be terrific. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, and thanks to everybody out there in the Duct Tape Nation. <laughs>